0: Confidently living for God. How can we confidently live for God? You know, more and more, especially during this election stuff, Republican, Democrats, uh, you know, people are so convinced that they are right. Have you noticed that? And, you know, we're not either. We, I don't know what you would call us, barely legal, but... My wife likes you to know it's a joke in case someone calls us. But can we confidently live for God? And I feel like truth isn't truth anymore. And you've known this for a long time. But even basic things. who ever imagined that one day we would argue over gender? Hey, that we ever thought that we'd come to that, to somebody saying, and you're like, no, you're a male. And they're like, no, I'm not a male. And you'd be like, what? You know, even the most fundamental things that were just, it's science. Like, we can't argue this, it's science. Like, now it's night time. No, it's not night time. It's just the absence of light time. It's called night. No, it's not. You know, it's its like we've lost logic and we've lost truth. But the problem is we lost it in the church too. A very good thing to do in approaching the word, in approaching your beliefs, and we've spoken about this before, is always asking the question, what if I'm wrong? And it doesn't mean that you're insecure, but it means that you are humbly approaching something with an open heart and mind to consider, what if I'm wrong? You hear what I'm saying? Who here has ever made a declaration on something? I will never do that. And then you did it. Right? Right? I've done it a few times, like, I'll never eat that. That's gross, or, you know, and then I eat it all the time, or whatever it is. We've got to be careful about how passionate we get about things that aren't actually truth. It's preference. It's, uh, you know, it's situational. It's culture, whatever these things are. But how can we live confidently in truth? If Jesus appeared now, and I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands, But how many of you really are confident that he's going like, yep, you made it. Maybe some are, which is wonderful. Deacon, he is. And I believe him too, right? But when push came to shove, why I think most people are not, because people are very scared to die. And if we really believed what we say we believe, listen, we would be looking for every excuse to like, yeah, that's certain death. If you go do that, you're like, I'll go. But the thing is, we t- most Christians, never mind outside of, of, of the church, are terrified to die. And I think one of the things is that they don't really have a full assurance of their salvation. Like, I'm going to be with him. And then there's all the other things that we're arguing about in the church. I mean, how can we actually find truth? I'm going to give you a mathematical solution in how we can walk out the truth as best as we can. Who enjoyed math at school? Right? I told Geordie today I'm going to teach scripture using mathematical principles. She's like, oh, I'm going to sleep through your sermon. <laughs> so I will tell you something funny. Daniela and I were speaking this morning about, you know, we really try to have a household where fear does not play a role. Right? We're talking about this, this ice storm and, you know, and and COVID. I mean, just, it doesn't matter what it is. There's always some new reason to fear. Even if it's illogical, like rhinos charging through downtown Houston. Some people fear that, even though it's probably not going to happen. But there's always some reason to fear. So I was sharing this with the kids. I said, you are so blessed to be raised up in an environment where you do not have to be in fear. And Josh made me laugh so much. He's like, well, sometimes I'm fearful of you. (laughs) (laughs) I <laughs> <laughs> such he's got such a sense of humour. This guy It's <laughs> brilliant. So, can we confidently stand on truth? So, let's let's uh, do this. Will you click on there? Oh, this has got to be on. Sorry. Uh, change to the next one for me. Okay. Read this with me. Now the Holy Spirit tells us clearly that in the last time some will turn away from the true faith. They will follow deceptive spirits and teachings that come from demons. Not a good thing. These people are hypocrites and liars and their consciences are dead. Now jump to verse 7. Do not waste time arguing over godless ideas and old wives tales. Instead, train yourself to be godly. Physical training is good, but training for godliness is much better. Promising benefits in this life and the life to come. Thank you, sir. You get that? We are watching this happen. We are watching this happen now. There were things that were just acceptable truth in the in the fabric of the culture that no longer are there. You can't say, but that's science. Because not even science is accepted as, as logical anymore. And this is coming from a spiritual realm. So when these things are happening, when people are turning away and some of these people have microphones and some of these people write books and some of these people have big followings and people are just following these things because they don't know how to stand on truth for themselves. When you stand before God one day, you won't thank you. You won't be able to blame anybody else. Well, so-and-so told me this or whatever. You have truth through the Holy Spirit. You have truth through the word of God. Nobody needs to be deceived. We really are at the craziest time when we talk about sending our kids to college and those things. We're like, what are the things we even prepare them for? There's a, a a video that I watched. There's this new like Dave Chappelle guy. What's his name? Um, Joe, I sent it to you. What was his name? Anyway, he's a Hispanic guy. Yeah, and and he sits his kid down to have the sex talk, and his kid's like, well. You know, am I playing the traditional male role or am I? And it's like so messed up that eventually, Father like, just get out of my house. Like, get out. You know, it's just so messed up. Just a basic fundamental uh, uh, thing. But we have to know what truth is. And here it's very basic. But we have to be students of the word of God more than ever before. Because sometimes the way we remember something can be changed. Who here has ever gone fishing? Right? And genuinely that fish grew in your mind that you caught. Right? The actual fish you caught was this big, but six years later, the storytelling, it was a blue whale. You literally pulled a blue whale out of the sea. It was a megalodon, and it was on the boat. (laughs) But you genuinely believe it, because it just changes a little, and a little, and a little. Not because you're a liar, or you're a bad person, just... The mind does those things. And if we are not renewing our mind by the word of God, things will start to shift. And somebody who once was absolutely against something, take Lot, for example, ends up living in Sodom. He didn't start off that way. He wasn't a bad person. In fact, he was still righteous because God went and and held everything back for him to escape. But it, it drew him in. How can we hold to truth? In a world where we don't agree on anything, how can you live from a place of truth? I have to consider myself, maybe I'm wrong, and go back to the word of God about all these things. And let him renew me again and again and again. A very good practice is to read the Bible without a preconceived notion that you already know what it says. The longer you sit in church, the harder it is to do this because we actually get prideful not even knowing that we know exactly what this says, especially when you have a theological degree, because now you've proved that you know exactly what this word says. You have to come as a student to the word of God to say, please teach me, Holy Spirit, what you are saying to us today. The more facts you have, the more truth you have. How many of you know that everything in scripture is true? Raise your hand. Okay, it's truth. How many of you know that you can get some truth in scripture is higher than other truth in scripture? How can that be? Isn't truth, truth? Well, there's actually something called higher truth. And I will I will give you this example. It doesn't nullify the other truth. But it gives you a clearer picture and it's a more solid foundation of truth. Uh, Katie, why don't you stand up, please? Okay. Who knows that if I said Katie is a person, that is truth? Okay, but if I said Katie is a person with long hair, that's actually more truth because now it has defined her more. Yes, (laughs) but it's still long. (laughs) If I said she's a, right, if I said Katie is a person with long hair and a white sweater. All of those truths. Now, each one of those things can can be independent. A white sweater, independent, like a verse. Her hair, independent, like a verse. A person, like a verse. But together, we are getting a much higher version, more solid version of the truth. Who agrees? Thank you. You can sit down. Almost every cult that has started has started out of scripture. You go down the list of the crazy things that have happened in America and outside of America. Almost all of them started from Scripture. Scripture can be taken horribly out of context. I don't even mean just in the passage context. I'm meaning out of what the intention of God's heart is. And we can get into such a mess if I just say, well, Katie's a person, and that means, and then I build a whole thing of that truth. She is a person, but there needed to be a better definition of what God was trying to tell us. And I will show you this example. Okay, if you would make that big for us there. Unions and intersections. Who, who remembers this from school? Right, this was so much fun. I couldn't wait for Geordie to see this. Look how excited she is. Alex, Casey, Drew, and Hunter play soccer. Casey, Drew, and Jade play tennis. But the question is, which ones play both? Casey and Drew. Good job. You can see who's the teacher. Okay. The union of those two is Casey and Drew. Now, what does this matter when it comes to Scripture? My clearest, most dependable, most reliable, most trustworthy version of Scripture is Scripture that has union with other Scripture letting scripture interpret scripture i can do all things through christ who strengthens me that is a stand truth that's a standalone truth just like katie is a person that is a standalone truth that is true but if i'm going into vegas and i'm going into a casino with that verse i can do all things through christ who strengthens me and i'm loading up and i'm saying black Does that fit? Well, I have to put that in union with another verse. That calls us not to gamble. Do you see what I'm saying? So I took a truth, but that truth could be misinterpreted unless it was tied down in union with another truth from Scripture. And the only way that I can do that is if I know the Word of God. I have to know the Word of God and not because you better do this. Because it is giving me an understanding and it is giving me life to truly know what truth is. And it has never been more needed in my lifetime than right now. We, were, uh, we, we take the kids through Proverbs in the morning, uh, a chapter a day. You must see how many times it talks about disciplining a child physically. It's not one verse. I'm, I'm telling you, it's loaded in there. But society has, has looked down so much on that that if you even think about disciplining your child physically, you're abusive. And that's what I'm saying is truth gets eroded slowly and slowly and slowly and slowly until it's gone. There's not one verse, and much to the kids' dismay. <laughs> there's many. Now, let's do this together. That's, there's the standalone verses. And then the union of that verse is where we have the most truth. You with me? This is a good practice to have. I'm not saying that you cannot stand on a verse by itself. That's how powerful the word of God is. What I am saying is you are in the safest, most trustworthy version of the verse when you're in the union. Do you see there's, there's a lot of extra room that seems to be left out when you do this? I'm not getting the fullness because I can't run wild with my imagination. And once again, I'm not saying this is the only way to do it. But what I am telling you, in a time when we are trying to find truth, we have to let Scripture anchor Scripture. We have to let Scripture interpret Scripture. Let's do this one. Example one. So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. Is this true? Absolutely. Is this needed? Absolutely. Is this something we must live by? Absolutely. Now I want to read you another passage, but don't let go of this. You with me? Again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. He gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last. Dividing it in proportion to their abilities. Interesting. He left on his trip. The servant who received the five bags of silver began to invest the money he had earned uh, and earned five more. The servant with two bags of silver also went to work and earned two more. But the servant who received one bag of silver dug a hole, put it in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, their master returned from his trip. And called them to give an account how they had used his money. To the servant who entrusted five bags of silver came forward and five more and said, Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest and I have earned five more. The master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling the small amount. So now I tell you, I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Right? The same thing happening with the servant too. Gives the two, and then we get to the last one. Um, this guy. Then the servant with one bag of silver came and said, Master, I knew you were a harsh man, harvesting crops where you didn't plant and gathering crops that you didn't cultivate. I was afraid I would lose your money, uh, so I hid it in the earth. Look, here's your money back. But the master replied, You wicked and lazy servant. If you knew I had harvested crops that I didn't plant, and gathered crops that I didn't cultivate. Why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. Then he ordered, "Take the money from the servant and give it to the one who has ten bags of silver. To those who use uh, well what they are given, even more will be given. And they that have, and they will have an abundance. But those who do nothing, even the little that they have, will be taken away." Now throw this useless servant into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Who loves to read this passage? And they lived happily ever after in darkness. Here's my point. We need to be teaching this. You need to understand that this is the principle of the kingdom of heaven. That there is an expectation that what you have been given must increase. And if you don't, there are going to be consequences for having wasted your life, the ability, the gifts, and everything else. But if I preach that, what do people feel? Condemnation. The union of this verse is there is no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. But that verse doesn't cancel out this verse that we have a responsibility and a requirement to increase what God has given us, but without condemnation. You hear what I'm saying? The truth of this can't truly come if I'm not putting it in union with what else is in Scripture. And the more verses I can tie together, the more solid the truth is. The more I can describe, Katie, the the more uh, facts that I have about her. The, the, the more solid ground as I'm honing in to what is truly uh, being communicated. You with me? I have to deal with this passage. You have to deal with this passage, but you have to do it outside of condemnation. Oh, I'm useless. I, I, I can't believe I did this. I, I'll never amount to anything. No, no, that's all negative talk that's not from God. But I have to stop and say, God, you have given me so much and I am that servant with the one bag Would you forgive me and would you help me to invest what you have put in me well and return it? When I came to America, I came with three suitcases, a guitar, and $2,400 20 years ago. Since then, I have married a wonderful wife. I have two amazing children. We have planted churches. We have started businesses. We have led many to Christ. You hear what I'm saying? There's an investment there that is growing for the kingdom. And there are other people that have done far more. But you know what? They had more talents and gifts. They were the five. I'm the one. But I'm working what God has given me. But hearing my example shouldn't put you in condemnation. Because you are having your own story. The guy who got two wasn't worried about the guy who had five. But the guy who had one. Oh, he didn't even know the master. You hear what I'm saying? The union of these scriptures bring it to life in a way that I can live my life by it. What are the truths? What is the higher truth? Right? I just explained that. Okay, this one. Now I'm going to ask you at the end of this. What are the truths? What's the higher truth? Example two. Pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for the orphans and the widows in their distress and refusing to let uh, the world corrupt you. You got it? You got that truth? Yes? Hang on to it. Well, my brothers and sisters, let's summarize. When you meet together, one will sing, another will teach, another will tell some special revelation God has given. One will speak in tongues, another will interpret what he said. But everything that is done must uh, strengthen all of you. No, more than two or three should speak in tongues, they should not speak at one time, and someone must interpret what they have said. But if no one is present who can interpret, they must be silent in your church meetings and speaking tongues to God privately. Is this a truth? Absolutely. Should we have people speaking in tongues? Absolutely. Right? And we should be praying for that. We should be seeking that. God, do you want to use me in this way? If we never have people speaking in tongues, then we've we've got a problem too. And somebody needs to say, Lord, what are we missing here? But at the same time, there's no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. So I can't get now all condemned about this and feeling like, oh, we're useless and worthless and we don't have this. But at the same time, I need to be pursuing something in freedom. You with me? Okay. You ready for this? Now we're unioning three verses. I think you're ready for this. Then the king will turn to those on the left and say, Away with you, you cursed ones. Enter the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his demons. For I was hungry and you didn't feed me. I was thirsty and you didn't give me a drink. I was a stranger and you didn't invite me into your home. I was naked and you didn't give me clothing. I was sick and in prison and you didn't visit me because of COVID. Then they will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry or thirsty a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and not help you? And he will answer, I tell you the truth. When you refuse to help the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were refusing to help me. And they will go into their eternal punishment, but the righteous will go into eternal life. And obviously the story of the righteous is before where they did those things. Now I'm asking you. Who would like to tell me, from what we've just read, what are the truths and what is the higher truth from those three scriptures? Right? The first being the orphan and the widow. The second being about spiritual gifts manifesting in the church. And the third being about the Father separating people at the end based on the physical actions that they took on earth. Who wants to have a go? It's not a trick. I'm not trying to trick or trap, you know, pretend you're reading the Bible by yourself and someone's not going to hand you a microphone and make you say it in front of the whole church. We just read three truths. Something must have jumped out at you. Who who doesn't mind sharing? I promise you I won't embarrass anybody, okay? Talks about the orphan and widow, uh, but then Jesus separates people out at the end of time based on their deeds. Um, so basically, when we're taking care of the orphan and widow, it shows our motives. It shows our heart, and that's what Jesus judges is for at the end. Very good. What else? What else is is a takeaway? Yes. one thing, and and gathering together is another thing. Josh said taking care of the widows and the orphans and us gathering together are two different things. Right? And you get a higher truth when you look at the orphans and the widows. You can probably count as the least of these. So you overlap that with the last one, and you recognize when you're caring for the orphan and the widow, you're caring for the people he's talking about in the other scripture you can kind of union those two and realize, oh, that's God's heart. Very good. What about as we are moving in the gifts in our church and as God is speaking, that a result of this should be what? Caring for people outside. You hear what I'm saying? You're with me? And we love Jesus, yes. That's always a good union. Why is this so important? Because unless we anchor down scripture, we can make up whatever we want, and it's the reason why we have so many denominations and and each one of these denominations has a real truth. You hear what I'm saying. you you go from one circle to another. none of them are completely whack unless they are completely whack. but, there is beautiful truths in every denomination that I've ever been to. From from Methodist to Anglican to Baptist to Presbyterian to charismatic whatever it is. There are beautiful truths in every single one. But we are face we are faced with a crisis now where every truth is being challenged and eroded. And if we do not know how to mind truth out of the word of God we are going to be like what I read in the first place. We are going to be deceived. By those who have great stories and those who are bringing um, you know theologies from demons. you know who else did that? The devil with Adam and Eve. He deceived Eve, and that was right in the beginning. Don't think he can't do the same thing now. But I do it without condemnation. I do it without fear. I'm not fearful about what Satan can do because I'm walking with God and I'm holding on to his truth, but I have to union what I'm reading and what I'm pursuing with other scriptures to get me to that place. Because we can run a tangent on any one of these things. We can just be so focused on social justice, right? We can just be so focused on spiritual gifts. We can be so focused on worship that we forget to pray. We can be so focused on prayer that we've, It's got to be the union and the balance of all of these things for us to be a healthy and mature church and people. I have to balance the amount I discipline my children with the amount of fun that we have, that they don't grow up thinking they lived in a prison system. You hear what I'm saying? There's there's truths. Yes, I can take those verses from Proverbs about physically disciplining them and I can just be beating them all the time. They give me enough reason. But I have to then union that with other things of what the Father's heart and what the Father does. And if you ask the Father for a fish, right? He's not giving you a snake. And, And be that Father to them that they can see the mercy of God as well. I have to union those two. My wife uh, asked if she could close us in a song. Come. She changed her mind. That's okay. As we are going out, as we are in our church plants, all the things that we are facing, as our, our, our beautiful brothers and sisters are heading out, you've got to hold on to this union of truth because there are things that sound so good, but they're not true. How many of you uh, think James Earl Jones is dead? James Earl Jones. I thought he was dead, because there was a thing on Facebook that said he was dead. This was a few years ago, and then we saw a trailer for Coming to America 2, and James Earl Jones is in it. And we're like, is that CGR? He's dead. And so I went on to Snopes, no, he's alive. So there's there's other things that we have believed and we've been pulled into and all of these things, but it's happening with scripture. There are things being preached now that you would not believe is even possible to be preached. There's churches based around things that you're like, how do you even get that truth? Because they've taken one scripture and, and didn't union it with anything else, and so therefore it looks true. When it comes to gender, marriage, whatever these things are, and this is just the beginning, we have to be people of truth. Why? Because the truth sets us free. Nothing else sets us free. Only the truth, not a version of the truth. Not sort of truth. The truth. Amen? Bow your heads for me, please. Lord, I thank you for every precious person in this place. I thank you for a fresh dose of courage to stand in the face of adversity. Lord, but with love and with humility, not arrogance and pride, but courage to do what is right. Lord, I pray that you would remove lies in our minds and hearts. That have been sown against the word of God. Where we have believed it's boring. It's, it's a chore. Holy Spirit. You're the one that spreads God's love abroad in our hearts. Would you please renew, restore our hearts to the love of the Father. And for his word and for each other. Lord, I pray that you would restore this church to be a beacon, regardless of our size. Lord, that we can be a place of healing, of hope, and restoration. Use our church plants, use our finances. Lord, that we will be a good investment in the kingdom of God. In everything that we do. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. I want for our church to start here to be such a generous church. Ben, do you want to go for lunch? Oh, I can't. I've already been invited by four other people. How about next week? Oh, they already booked me then as well. What I'm saying is we get so much joy and excitement in being this generous church. And while we are doing this, I'm telling you the Spirit of God is going to move through generosity and love and kindness for one another. Why? Because it is a huge deal to God that we take care of one another, starting in the, in the, with the brothers and the sisters, starting in the house of faith. And from there it flows out. I feed my children first, and then I feed everybody else. You hear what I'm saying? And it's the same with God. It's the same with God. We take care of each other first, and then let that flow out onto everybody else. But we cannot forget everybody else. If you see the poor, do something. If you see the naked, do something. The hurting, the sick, those in prison, whatever it might be, and no condemnation while we are going after this. But be a good turn, a good return on God's investment in you. Amen? Amen.